When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March 9th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. What a week we have ahead of us. Conference tournaments. Well, some mid-majors have already started. Actually, some mid-majors conference tournaments are already over, but we've got the Power 5, the Power 6 tournaments, all the big tournaments starting on Wednesday, ACC starting on Tuesday. Um, Speaking of Tuesday, yes, I'm releasing this episode on Tuesday, a day early from um, when I usually release it. Uh, I wanted to get in... Uh, my ACC tournament breakdown, which the games start on Tuesday. Uh, and I also wanted uh, more than, I wanted at least a day for you guys to listen ahead of the conference tournament games on Wednesday, the the, the Power 5, Power 6. Uh, do you include the, the, the Big East in it? Is it the Power 6 in basketball? Um, those games obviously start early afternoon on Wednesday. So if I released the episode on Wednesday, you'd have like a couple hours to listen to uh, before those tournaments start. So um rushed well I didn't rush but I mean I've had a busy day this is the latest that I've recorded this podcast to date it is 1 a.m my time uh Monday is the busiest day I have uh for work as far as my behind the scenes odd shark job uh so I had to do that all day and then as soon as five o'clock hit uh, I started researching the conference tournaments I did my uh players championship research um and so now here I am. Now I got all my notes done. I've just been working my butt off all evening uh, to get this out. So it's 1 a.m. It's late. My brain is melting from staring at a screen all day. But that's okay because I am excited. This is a big, big week. So on today's episode of the podcast, uh, my, I'm going to start off with my uh, Players Championship preview and bets. Obviously a fun tournament. The fifth major, the unofficial fifth major of the PGA Tour season is this weekend. Uh, if you remember last season, this was where shit hit the fan. We got one round into the Players' Championship. Hideki Matsuyama hit, uh, shot the course record round one, and then the tournament was canceled. Uh, I don't Did round two start? I don't think it did. Um, so now here we are, a year later, back at the Players' Championship. Let's hope to God that we get through uh, the actual full tournament this time. And then I'm going to break down my preview, my thoughts, the iMac Power Rankings, for seven conference tournaments. So we're doing um, the big six, which would be ACC, Big East, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, and then I'm missing one, SEC, and then I'm also going to do Mountain West as well uh, because I quite enjoyed watching the Mountain West this year. So seven conference tournament breakdowns. I'm going to give my full thoughts. I'm going to give my pick. I made a pick in in all seven of those conferences. Um, So, yeah, big episode. I don't have any picks on any individual bets because it's 1 a.m., and I just finished my conference tournament preview. So um, I wasn't going to take another hour to break down any games for Tuesday. So, (laughs) Uh, of course, I'll be tweeting out my picks or I'll be putting them out on guys and bets uh, and all those good things. 
uh, this coming week. So keep an eye out on my Twitter, of course, Ian Mac OS. Uh, but I don't want to delay any more time because uh, it's a big show and I got a lot to get through. Um, so just one last thing, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast already, please subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this on. I appreciate everyone who's been listening and following along. Uh, the podcast is slowly growing and I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, if you have a few seconds, leave a rating that, that helps us out. If you have a few more seconds, leave a review that helps us out even more. And then of course, uh, there is still the, the donation link in the description. Uh, if you want to donate to the show through PayPal, I've had some people ask if they can donate through uh, cash app or, um, Venmo. Uh, unfortunately those, uh, apps have not made their way to Canada yet. So I'm stuck with PayPal. So, uh, don't feel like you have to donate whatsoever. Don't feel forced whatsoever. Um, but if you've appreciated my content, if you made some money off my picks, if you feel like donating, the option is there. I am going to have a ton of content these next couple weeks. Twitch streams, podcasts, hopefully two podcasts next week. Uh, videos, guys and bet stuff. Uh, I'm all in for uh, the next couple of weeks Weeks here for March Madness. Um, I'll probably barely sleep. So I'm very, very excited. Kind of gets kicked off with this podcast. Um, and then we're going to go hard these next few weeks. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the March 9th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 All right, let's start with the Players Championship TPC Sawgrass. Uh, of course, if you uh, are not too familiar with golf, you would remember this course uh, because of the 17th green, the famous Island Green. Uh, always a very fun, very, very fun event to watch. One of the funnest events on tour to watch. Uh, TPC Sawgrass. TPC courses don't usually have a very good reputation, but I would love to play TPC Sawgrass. It, it seems like a fun course. Obviously, playing that 17th uh, hole, the Island Green, would be fun. Um, there's actually a nine-hole course in the town that I grew up in. Um, fuck, what's it called? Something Island. Um, and the whole course is just an absolute shit show. It's like you're basically playing through farmer's fields. Uh, but then on the eighth hole, uh, they kind of recreate an island green. So just it, it's worth it alone just to play the eighth hole. You shoot downhill off a hill, and uh, it's a true island green. So um, that's and it's a cheap course to play, like twenty bucks. Because like I said, it's basically in a farmer's field. But the eighth hole, island green. Um, I don't know what it is about trying to hit a green that's surrounded by water that makes it so fun, but for some reason it is. Uh, but let's get into my betting preview here. Par 72, 7,215 yards long. Now, that doesn't seem like very long for a par 72 course, uh, but there's going to be a lot of tee shots that guys won't be using the driver off of, so we're still going to see a lot of uh, mid to long approaches onto these greens. But this course, as fun as it is to watch and as fun as it is to bet on, it's very difficult to handicap. The reason being is that there's no specific style of play that works well here at TPC Sawgrass. Long hitters have had success, short hitters, good iron players, good wedge players, good putters. Um, there's, I mean, there's nothing really that, like, if you have a weak spot anywhere in your game, you're not going to play well. Um, but, like, if you have a certain strength in a certain area, you can win. It's just all going to be about who 
plays the best golf. As simple as that sounds, that's what the Players' Championship is all about. Whoever can hide their weaknesses the most, whoever can use their strengths to the best of their ability, uh, whoever is just hot with the putter. So that's what makes it so hard because there's no real key stats 100% that you can really narrow in on uh, and eliminate some golfers that kind of don't fit that mold. So, I mean, look at the top of the odds list this week. You, you could... I wouldn't argue against any of these guys. Dustin Johnson, 11 to 1. I mean, if you want to bet on the world number one golfer, now would be the time at 11 to 1. You got, you got to kind of like that price, considering for the WGC, he was what, like 5 to 1? Uh, Roy McIlroy, he's the last winner of the event, won it in 2019. DeChambeau, hard to bet against him. Um, by the way, bet against DeChambeau outright two weeks, uh, and then I decided to stay off him last week, and he won. How fucking classic is that? <laughs> I did manage to get him plus 220 before the final round, so that softened the blow a little bit. But come on! <laughs> Two straight weeks, I bet on him outright. As soon as I decide not to, he wins. Um, but yeah, hard to bet against him here. John Rahm, 15-1. to 1. Justin Thomas, 16-1. to 1. I mean, 49 of the top 50 golfers in the world are competing this week. The only one who isn't is Matthew Wolf. Uh, if you don't remember, he withdrew from, was it WGC? Yeah, WGC a couple weeks ago. He shot like, what, 15 over the first round and withdrew, and apparently he's got some personal issues going on. So he will not be competing this week. But 49 of the top 50. And it'd be hard for me to argue against any pick. So whoever you decide to go with, you probably have, well, you don't have a decent chance because anyone can win, but uh, you're not going to see me arguing against it. Um, but let's do. Let's get into some key stats. Like I said, it's a little bit hard to narrow in on some stats because it's anyone, any style of play can do well here. Um, but I have, I do have five here because we do at least want to look at stats a little bit. First one is strokes gained off the tee. Uh, distance not important. That's one thing that's not really important. Obviously, distance always helps, especially if you can kind of keep it accurate. But placement off the tee is what's going to be most important. Um, so just strokes gained off the tee, that'll give us a, a good overall mix of distance accuracy and kind of where they place their shots. Um, guys who are able to place it in certain areas will give them a very good angle to the green with their approach shot. So strokes gained off the tee is the first one. Then strokes gained approach the green. Obviously, I mean, you're going to look at the approach game in, in some form or another when handicapping a golf event. So strokes gained approach the green is pretty the, the most basic one. Um, proximity from 150 to 175 yards out. So this is the one kind of specific one that I'm looking at this week. Um, as I kind of mentioned, even though it's a shorter course, kind of because of where you have to place your tee shots, there are still going to be some mid to long iron approach shots. So I, I think kind of that distance from 150 to 175, uh, kind of a mid iron distance I think that distance is going to be key this week so if you're looking for kind of more specific stat that's one that I have pointed out uh fourth is birdie average um an interesting note is this is this will be the first time that we'll see a full tournament at the players championship taking place in March um if you don't remember this tournament used to take place in May so they used to have the Masters in April the Players Championship in May U.S. Open in June uh British Open in July and then PJ Championship in August is that what it was? I think so. Um, I might have flipped the the British Open with PJ Championship, but I think I got it right. Uh, but it, now they've decided to put uh, the Players Championship in March, kind of serve as a little warm up heading into the four actual majors. And what's and that's going to cause the course to play a little bit more soft. It seems like um, it's not going to play as hard. The greens are going to be a little bit more forgiving. 
And in the one round that we saw last year, that's kind of what we saw. I mean, Hideki Matsuyama shot the course record there in just one round. So I think this is going to be an absolute birdie fest this week. Uh, so I'm going to look at birdie average. Let's get guys who can score. Pars aren't going to get it done here. Let's get guys who know how to score. And then finally, strokes gained putting. I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to look at putting in, in, in one form or another, but Last year with Hideki Matsuyama shooting eight under in the first round, I mean, he's famously, he's infamous or famous? Infamous for being so good with his irons, pretty decent with his driver, but just a terrible, terrible putter. And he shot the course record last year. So does that mean that um, bad putters are going to be able to compete here this week? Maybe not. I mean, it was only one round. We don't know how he would have played the other three rounds. Um, and it wasn't really his putting that got him the scores. He was just so good with the irons because the greens were so soft. They can just make that ball stop on a dime. Um, so, yeah, maybe you can. If, if you're going to bet on Matsuyama, I'm not going to, but if you're going to bet on Matsuyama, this, this is the tournament to do it. If you're going to bet on a guy who might not be a great putter, this might be the event to do it. Uh, but they do need to be good, good iron players because those good iron players like Hideki Matsuyama are going to be able to stick their balls um, pretty much wherever they want and uh, make them stop on a dime. Now, if it was in May and the weather was warmer, a little bit more sun, uh, the greens aren't going to play as soft, and then it's a little bit harder to get that ball to stop. You're going to see you know, uh, balls rolling off the back of the green or not stopping where, where the golfer wants them. But soft greens equals being able to make that ball stick exactly where they want it to. Uh, so th those are the five key stats I narrated in on strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach to the green, proximity from 150 to 175 yards out, uh, birdie average, and then strokes gained putting. Uh, the other thing that you definitely want to look at is past performance and recent form. Uh, with anyone being able to win this this event, let's at least look guy look at guys who either played well at TPC Sawgrass in past years or have just played well heading into this tournament and might be starting to get a little bit hot. Uh, an interesting thing that I will mention about this course is it can tempt some golfers to make aggressive but usually stupid shots. Um, golfers who are smart and kind of more willing to play more safe, conservative shots usually have success. So I'm going to stay away from kind of the younger crowd, uh, the younger guys, because they may not do that. And the younger guys seem to be the ones who are more willing to try to get, get aggressive. And this course can tempt you with certain angles onto the green that make you think you can make that shot, um, but then you can't. So I'm staying away from the Colin Morikawas, the Victor Hovlins of the world. Um, I think at least guys who have played this course a handful of times and know what to expect are going to be the guys that you're going to want to look at. Uh, but yeah, let's get into my picks here. I'm going to start off with Justin Thomas. That's going to be my first pick. I'm taking him outright 16-1 to 1. Um, with me recording this on Monday night. Uh, my book doesn't have top 5, top 10 odds or anything like that yet. Um, but I'll do the same thing I've been doing lately. I'll do Justin Thomas to win outright at 16-1. to 1, And then I'll take him top 10 as well, whatever those odds end up being. Um, I think we're getting a little bit better value on him because he stumbled a few weeks back. He had that missed cut. Uh, at the Genesis, uh, I believe it was, is yeah, Genesis Invitational. That was the first time in the 2021 season that he missed a cut. He bounced back a week later with a T15 finish at the WGC. Uh, but that kind of slight stumble at the Genesis, I think, is going to give us a little bit better value. Uh, but outside of the missed cut, uh, Justin Thomas hasn't finished worth worse than 15th in the nine events that he's played in this season. He ranks sixth on tour and strokes gained approach to the green and ranks first in birdie average. 
So nobody averages more birdies per round than Justin Thomas. Now, he does, he is susceptible to getting some bogeys as well, but with how good his approach game is, with how good his iron game is, and just his ability to score birdies, I think that's going to be a good combination for the players. I think we're going to get a little, we're getting a little bit of decent value on him at 16 to 1. Um, yeah, so Justin Thomas. I don't think he's won this season either, so he's going to get a win here soon, uh, 16 to 1. That's my first pick, and my second pick I'm going to regret. Um... I'm taking Tony Finau. <laughs> I'm taking the biggest, one of the biggest chokers in professional sport right now. Uh, and then I'm obviously going to take him. I might, I might actually take him top five as well, but maybe top 10. Uh, I'll take a look to see what the odds are. But Tony Finau, 22 to 1. And I think that is as much as he has one win as a Puerto Rico Open, he's cursed, he chokes. But 22 to 1 on this good of a golfer, if you kind of put the choking aside, is an absolute gift. Um, he has finished in the top five in four of his last five starts, including three second place finishes. I mean, outside of maybe Dustin Johnson, there's no golfer hotter right now. And he's 22 to one. He also ranks 18th in strokes gained off the tee, 11th in strokes gained approaching the green and 10th in birdie average. So if you put his complete lack of clutch gene aside, 22 to one is a fantastic price on Tony Finau. Fantastic. Now, if he's close to the lead on Sunday, am I going to hedge the bet heavily? Absolutely. But I can't pass that price up on Tony Finau. He's got to get a win eventually, right? He has to. And 22 to 1, I mean, what does that make him on the odds list? Like 11th on the odds list? For a guy who in three of his last five starts, he finished second? Um, nine. He's 10th. Yeah, 10th on the odds list. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it, and I'm ready for heartbreak. Uh, so those are my two picks for the Players' Championship. That's kind of my quick breakdown there. Um, I don't have any long shots locked in yet or tournament matchups or anything like that. It's still Monday. Those odds haven't really been released, so maybe I'll tweet out some some more picks as we get closer to the event. Uh, I'll probably have a pick on guys and bets on Wednesday, but for now, those are the picks I have locked in. JT, uh, to, fin- to win... 16 to 1. I will be betting on him to finish top 10 as well. And then Tony Finau, 22 to 1. And in either top 5 or top 10, I haven't fully decided yet. Uh, we'll wait to see what the odds say. Uh, but yeah, best of luck with this uh, with this event for the Players' Championship. Like I said, anyone can win. I'm actually going to rattle off a, a, some other names that I thought were interesting. Um, Patrick Cantley, 20 to 1. He's kind of a similar issue with Tony Finau. He, he's kind of turned into a choker as well. Patrick Reed at 33 to 1 is, I think, a fantastic bet. He missed the cut last week, but, I mean, he, he won before that. What, wait, two events before that? What did he finish at the WGC? I don't know, but he won like two or three events ago, um, and he's the best putter on tour right now. So Patrick Reed, 33 to 1, he's interesting. Sung J M at 40 to 1 is a little interesting. Daniel Berger, 40 to 1, is interesting. Joaquin Neiman, 40 to 1, is interesting. That's a guy I think I might be looking to bet on top 20, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, he's been playing very, very well recently. He's flying underneath the radar, so I really like him. I don't like him to win at 40 to 1, but I really like him possibly in top 20. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick came through for me for a top 10 bet last week. He's been hot recently. He's 50 to 1. That's not a bad price on Matthew Fitzpatrick at all. Uh, 
Will Zalatoris, eh, I'm, I don't really know about him yet. Corey Connors, 80-1. to 1. That might be, a, I mean, he th- third last week. That might be a guy we might want to look at to finish, uh, to bet on top 10 or top 20. You're going to get value on that with him, 80-1 to 1 to win. Harris English, 80-1 is interesting, but he's been, he's been cold lately, so I'm going to stay away from him. Um, Louis Oosthuizen's kind of interesting. He's, he's been a great putter recently. He is at 80-1. to 1, So, I mean, there's a lot of names that you got to like on the board this week. Uh, Brandon Grace, 150 to one. If you're looking for a super long shot, he won the Puerto Rico Open a couple weeks ago. Uh, ben Yan, I uh, know I mispronounced. I, I don't really know how to pronounce his name. The Korean Be- Boing Hanan, but I think it's just pronounced Ben On. 150 to one. That's interesting. So man, there are a lot, a lot of interesting bets you can make here at the Players Championship. Um, Keep an eye on my Twitter timeline. I might I might lock in some more before Thursday. Okay, let's get into the meat of the episode here. My conference tournament breakdowns, my picks here uh, for seven different college basketball conference tournaments. Now, before I get into them, and I'm going to start with the ACC since that one starts on Tuesday, uh, just going to break down how I kind of handicapped uh, uh, these tournaments. So if you listen to last week's episode of the podcast, I have created what I'm dubbing the iMac Power Rankings. Uh, Ken Palm has his own power rankings that everyone pays attention to, so I'm creating my own. Mine are a lot more simple and uh, might not work, but this is my first year trying this in a tournament format, so let's see how it does. Now, last week I tested this theory out with the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament, um, and in my power rankings I had St. Louis, Top Dog, Davidson, St. Bonnie's, and then VCU. Uh, the third and fourth place teams uh, are now in the final. So it didn't quite work out with the Atlantic 10. St. Louis uh, played bad in their game against uh, the Bonnies, and that was kind of a, a, a tough matchup to, for them, to be honest, and they just kind of didn't bring it. Um, and then VCU did beat Davidson, but I still kind of like what uh, like what the power rankings are. Also, it's kind of weird that, like, the finals were decided, like, on the weekend, and now they're not going to play, like, St. Bonaventure, and VCU's not playing till Sunday, but whatever. I'll be taking the Bonnies in that game. Um, but what the iMac power rankings are, and I want to be honest before I get into it, I realize that this is a very simplistic way of handicapping a tournament and probably not the best way to do it. And uh, don't blindly tail my picks just because of my silly uh, power ranking system that I've created here. But eh, I'm doing it for fun and I'm testing it out. We're here to learn as well, right? Have a little bit of fun, learn. If these all go to hell, then I'll learn from the mistakes. If they go well, then maybe I'll tweak a few things and, and try it out uh, for the March Madness bracket. Um, but basically what I've done is I've identified the six stats that I think are the most important stats in college basketball, the ones that I look at the most. Those six stats are floor percentage, opponent, opponent floor percentage, rebounding, effective possession ratio, opponent effective possession ratio, and effective field goal percentage. Now, just a quick recap of what those things are. Floor percentage, the percentage of a team's possessions that result in at least one point being scored. Opponent floor percentage is obviously the same thing, but how your opponent does not it. Rebounding, self-explanatory. Effective possession ratio is possessions plus offensive rebounds minus turnovers divided by possessions. So basically it gives teams uh, how, I mean, it's self-explanatory. How effective are your offensive possessions when you're missing your shot? Are you grabbing the offensive rebound to give you another chance? Um, Are you turning the ball over without even getting off a shot? Uh, So that's what effective possession ratio is kind of 
mixes in offensive rebounds with turnovers uh, and then effective field goal percentage I'm sure you all know what that is but uh, it's basically an adjusted field goal percentage that takes into account the fact that three-point shots are worth three-point shots because if you look at just field goal percentage then you're kind of uh, selling teams that shoot three-point like three-point shots quite a bit you're kind of selling them short so effective field goal percentage kind of makes up for that difference So those are the key stats, and then I take the top teams in each conference, the ones who I think have a chance to actually win. Um, I'm not looking at Nebraska to win the Big Ten. It's just not going to happen. So uh, each conference, I think one conference is five teams, one at six, and the rest are seven. Uh, So I'm pretty generous, and then I see where they rank in the country in each of those six statistics, and then I compare them to the other top five, top six teams in, in, in the conference. So... Uh, for a rebounding example, if one team uh, ranks in the country higher than the other five teams I'm comparing them to, they would get uh, six points. The second best rebounding team would get five points. The third best rebounding team would get four points, uh, so on and so forth. So the higher you rank compared to the other teams in your conference, the more points you get. And then I combine all the points from the six different categories, and then I come up with what my power rankings are. It probably sounds confusing. Uh, but hopefully you, you'll get it as we go along here. Um, now, one thing I, that I know right off the bat that it doesn't take into account these power rankings is um, standard deviation. If you know what statistics are, you know what I'm talking about. But um, let's say, for example, the two top rebounding teams in a conference are third in the country in rebounding and fourth in the country in rebounding. That's still a one-point difference. Now, if the top team in the conference was second rebounding, and the next closest was 150th, that's still just a one-point difference. So teams that are close in stats, doesn't matter. There's no, I'm not taking that into account. I'm not a math genius, all right? I had to handicap these tournaments somehow, and it's hard to because you never really know what teams are going to match up with, uh, with each other. So you have to just kind of take an overall look at the teams and then base your power rankings off that. So I hope that all makes sense at least a little bit. You might understand more uh, as we get into it here, but let's start. Let's get it going here. And like I said, I'm starting with the ACC because these games start on Tuesday. So if you're curious what the odds are, and all these odds are from, I got them from Bovada. Florida State's the favorite right now, plus 225. Virginia, plus 245. UNC, plus 450. Louisville, Virginia Tech, both at 7-1. to Georgia Tech at 10-1. to Duke at 16-1. to So that's where I cut my my teams off I don't think any team worse than Duke has a chance so apologies to the Clemson fans your offense stinks even though you kind of fucked me on Saturday you shot the best you did all season when I bet against you you bums uh Syracuse I like Syracuse I like what they're doing um but they're not winning this tournament Pittsburgh sorry not winning this tournament 66 to 1 nope and then I mean do I really need to tell you that Notre Dame NC State Miami Boston College and Wake Forest don't have chances so in my opinion it's going to be one of the top seven teams If it's not, I will look stupid. But I think the ACC is completely wide open. I think any of these top top seven teams could win. But let's get into my reveal of my power rankings for this conference. And then I'll kind of dive into it a little bit more. So out of the seven teams, seventh place in the IMAC power rankings, Duke with 18 points. So I actually thought Duke 13-1. to I was like, oh, maybe they could go on it. But I, I mean... They're, they're, they're bad. They're out of the seven teams. I mean, they, they rank last in, in a lot of those categories. So, um, especially defensively. They're very bad defensively. Opponent floor percentage, they're 252nd. 
Not good. Uh, then next is Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, both at 23. Um, I had someone actually message me uh, last week or the week before saying that Georgia Tech's going to win the ACC tournament. And if he do, and if they do, uh, that I have to shout about on Twitter, which is fair. I agree to it. Um, but Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech is 278th in rebounding percentage. It's going to be tough to get through an entire conference tournament getting out-rebounded every single game. Because they are. Because all the other top 17 teams are six of the seven of the top... six. Five of the other six teams are in the top 100 in the country in rebounding. So I don't know how Georgia Tech's going to get through this tournament uh, being that bad at rebounding. And their offense is decent. Uh, they rank 39th in the country in floor percentage. Uh, defense is average. Like I said, bad rebounding team. So uh, I, I don't think Georgia Tech's going to get it done. Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has a good defense, but they don't really do anything else well. Um, oh, and actually, right below Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech is Louisville. Uh, Louisville, 246th in effective field goal percentage. That's not good. <laughs> so they're going to have to get a lot better shooting the ball if they if they want to win this tournament. 311th in opponent effective possession ratio. So uh, teams are getting offensive boards against them. Teams aren't turning the ball over. So uh, Louisville... Don't like them. Uh, they're coming in uh, second last, actually, tied with Virginia. So the team that's second on the odds list right now, uh, I don't trust them whatsoever. I was actually kind of surprised to see them second on the odds list. Uh, they are, uh, I think a lot of people still have in their minds, because a lot of Virginia games are low scoring, that they're like a top-tier defense. But this season, they really aren't. Last year's defense and the, their championship team's defense Better, way better than this year. They're 65th in opponent floor percentage. Like the last two years, they're like first, second, or third. 65th, not good. Now their offense is better than what they were last year. 54th in floor percentage. They shoot the three ball well. Um, but I, th I, the style of play that 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 the Cavaliers play, you have to have a stellar, elite, elite defense. And Virginia just doesn't have that. So I don't like Virginia in this tournament whatsoever, even though they're second on the odds list. Um, I actually have Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech with one point, ranked one point higher than them. Um, and then I have next on my odds list, or on, in my in the IMAC power rankings, Florida State. Florida State's the betting favorite, but I got them 29 points uh, in my power rankings here. They do everything pretty well for the most part. Uh, 22nd in the country in floor percentage, 74th in opponent floor percentage, 44th in rebounding. Um, they kind of struggle a little bit, opponent effective possession ratio, so teams are having effective possessions against them. They're 175th in that category, so about average in the country. But here's a little bit of a surprise. This is kind of my first long shot bet here. My pick to win the ACC in ranking first in the IMAC ACC power rankings, UNC. The Tar Heels, their big men can get some damage done. UNC's second in the country in rebounding, and you guys know I'm horny for good rebounding teams. Uh, their defense is solid too, 42nd in the country in opponent floor percentage, 35th in floor percentage. Uh, effective possession ratio, 21st, so they grab offensive boards and they don't turn the ball over that much. Um, now, where one thing that does concern me and their biggest weak point here is, is their 244th and effective field goal percentage. Um, so they aren't great shooters. 
but they do everything else very well. But that's kind of the one thing that they've had issues with this season. And the thing that's kind of keeping them from being an elite team is they just, they're just not good shooters. 244th in effective field goal percentage. But with how good they are, every other area of their game, um, they can pound the ball down low. I'm hoping that their shooting gets a little bit hotter, and I think they have been in, in recent weeks. So UNC is my pick. Uh, and what are their odds here? What do they get them at? Sorry, I don't know why I don't have that written. The odds written down for the ACC. Uh, plus 550. So some value there. I think there's some value there. Plus 550 for this team. Uh, I want to take a quick look at the ACC bracket here. Uh, so they aren't a top four seed, so they don't... Is this the 2021? Yes. Um, Georgia Tech's the four seed. Interesting. Um, so they don't have the double buy. They do have the single buy. So they will be taking on the winner of Notre Dame and Wake Forest. They'll, they'll, they'll handle whatever team they face there. Uh, and then I think they match up well with Virginia Tech. I think if they had to play Florida State in the, in the quarterfinals, I think that'd be a little bit of an issue, but they won't see Florida State until the... Uh, until the semifinals, they don't see, they wouldn't see Virginia until the finals at all. Um, yeah, UNC, if you're looking, if you're looking for a bit of a dark horse, plus, uh, what did I say there? Plus 550, plus 575. Um, Tar Heels, my pick for the ACC, plus 550. Let's go, lock it in. By the way, uh, I took all my conference picks and I parlayed them and put two, $2 on it and it pays out like $7,800. So if the IMAC power rankings come through for me, I'm basically rich. I can retire off $7,800, right? Uh, so there's my thoughts about the ACC. If you're going to go the favorite, Florida State, not a bad bet. I think Florida State can get it done. I hate Virginia at plus 245. Hate them. Despite them being the one seed, hate them at plus 245. Uh, Virginia Tech, I don't I don't hate that much at plus 700. Georgia Tech, don't like them at 10 to 1. I don't think you can get through this tournament bat with getting a rebound of every game. Duke might seem tempting at 16 to 1. I don't think it's play. Um, let's move on here, and I'm just going to go in order of what my notes are. Um, let's go Big Ten next. The I would say the best conference in the country this season. I don't think that'd be controversial. I don't think that's a controversial take. Uh, Michigan's the favorite right now, plus 165. Illinois, plus 333. Iowa, plus 400. Purdue, plus 475. I kind of completely forgot about Purdue this season, but they've had a very solid year. Ohio State, plus 650. Do you guys remember when we were like, in like mid-January when Ohio State seemed like the team to beat? Not the case anymore. Wisconsin, 10-1. to Michigan State, 33-1. to uh, That's where I cut it off after Michigan State. So I'm looking at seven teams in the Big Ten. Um, I'm sorry, Maryland fans, Indiana fans, Minnesota, Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Uh, your teams aren't winning this tournament. Um, so let's uh, get into the power ranking reveal here. Last place in the IMAC power rankings, Michigan State, 14 points. Uh, this narrative of, oh, February and March is when Tom Izzo comes to shine, and they have had some very big games, and now they're, they're probably locked themselves a spot in the tournament because of it in the, in, in the March Madness tournament. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I don't buy it. 263rd in effective field goal percentage, 303rd in opponent effective possession ratio, uh, 251st in opponent floor percentage, 175th in floor percentage. I mean... It's, they're just not really that good of a team. They can turn it on. Of course they can. Uh, but I, I don't understand. What does Tom Izzo do in March that all of a sudden his teams are good? He just figures out 
other teams. He figures out what makes his team gel. I guess, I guess maybe. Uh, but I'm not buying in that narrative. I don't think Michigan State wins this tournament. I don't think they have a chance. Uh, they're last by a, a solid mile in my IBAC power rankings here. Uh, so I don't like them. Uh, next, Wisconsin, 22 points. Probably not a surprise there. Uh, effective field goal per, uh, percentage of the season. They're 203rd. Uh, now they don't turn the ball over. That's the big thing I like about Wisconsin. 30, uh, 38th in the country in effective possession ratio, and that's kind of a reflection of the fact they don't turn the I think they're like top five fewest turnovers per possession. Uh, rebounding, they suck. 218th. That's been their biggest weak point this season, especially because they are kind of a, a defensive-minded team. They are better on defense than offense, um, but it's hard to kind of win as a defensive team if you can't rebound the ball, and they don't. Uh, then Ohio State at uh, is third here, 20, uh, 23 points in my power rankings. Uh, their defense has issues. Their offense very, very good, one of the better offenses in the country, uh, but their defense is kind of where, they, where, where they're going to lose games. 216th in the country in opponent floor percentage. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be hard to get through the toughest conference tournament with a bad defense. Uh, Purdue, 24, right above them. Purdue just kind of does everything decent. They don't do anything terrible. Uh, but they don't do anything super well. They're actually a really good rebounding team, actually. I take that back. 21st in the country in rebounding percentage, which I was actually pretty surprised to see. But everything else around average. Um, so with the odds at plus 470, if they were like longer odds, like closer to like 8-1, to one, I would say maybe worth a long shot bet, but plus 475, I hate it. Um, and then next, on the, uh, next in the IMAC power rankings, and this is going to surprise people, Michigan. I have them third in the Big Ten via the IMAC power rankings. Watch out, Ken Baum. I'm coming for you. Um, their offense is good. 24th in floor per- in floor percentage and in a, but a, a fifth in effective possession ratio. But I say, or sorry, they're not, they're not fifth in effective possession ratio. Uh, they're third among these teams in effective field goal percentage. Um but they still rank 21st in the country in effective field goal, uh, field goal percentage. So there's just two other teams that are even better, and that's Illinois and Iowa, the two teams I haven't touched on yet. Uh, where their biggest weak point is, is opponent effective possession ratio. So teams grab a lot of rebounds or they don't force turnovers. Uh, one of those two things is an issue for Michigan. Let me actually look that up right now. I think I think it's turnovers. I think they have a, a, an issue forcing turnovers, and that's kind of like the chink in their armor. Yeah, Michigan's three hundred and thirty seventh in opponent turnovers per possession. So I mean, if you shoot well and you play like good defense, as far as uh, keeping teams to a, a low shooting percentage, then that's fine. But if you get find yourself in a game where maybe you aren't as hot shooting. Um, you kind of can't rely on forcing, like you're not, you're not going to be able to rely on being able to force turnovers and get points off fast breaks and things like that. You have to play fundamentally good offensively and defensively if you're not going to be able to turn the ball over. So keep that in mind with Michigan. Now, Michigan is the favorite to win this tournament. They could e- easily just wipe the floor with them, but I think Michigan's just a little bit overrated. I think they are. I might put my foot in my mouth about that, but they aren't my pick. I'm not taking the favorite in this tournament. Next is Iowa. I mean, you guys all know my feelings about just what Iowa is. Very good offensively, not good defensively. Um, And then my pick to win is Illinois. 
Illinois is first in my power rankings with 33 points, six points more than, than Iowa. They just do everything very, very, very well. So I'm taking Illinois plus 333. Um, so they are uh, fifth in floor percentage in the country. They're 61st in opponent floor percentage. They're third in rebounding. So good offense, good rebounding. Um, they are now their effective possession ratio is kind of their weakness. So I, I think they actually turn the ball over a little bit and that is what can kind of hurt them. But if they go up against Michigan, who doesn't force turnovers, then they're fine. Just look in this. Yeah. So they're 170th in the country in turnover. So, but I mean, like I said, going up against Michigan, they don't really need to worry about that because Michigan doesn't force turnovers. Um, so Illinois, and then their first out of all these teams, their first and effective field goal percentage, 14th in the country. So floor percentage is good. Rebounding is good. Their defense isn't as good as their offense, but their defense is still good. Uh, 14th in the country and effective field goal, uh, uh, effective field goal percentage. So that's my pick. And they've, they've been kind of the hotter team recently too. Michigan has stumbled a little bit these last couple of weeks and Illinois has turned it on. So I'll take Illinois to win the big 10 conference plus three thirty three. Let's move on here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's switch it up and go to the West Coast. The Pac-12 is where we're going to here next. Uh, I don't know why I don't have the odds written down for this one, but uh, I'll look it up here right now. It is USC is the betting favorite, and it's Colorado right behind them. This conference is four teams, and then really nobody else. Uh, now I did toss in Utah and Stanford, but when when you I mean. I didn't really need to because once I kind of dug into the stats, they have no chance. Uh, it's going to be one of the top four teams. Don't forget Arizona, who I bet on a ton this year and lost a ton of money on betting on Arizona. Uh, not el eligible for this tournament. Uh, they did a self-imposed ban in December for this year, obviously for some kind of recruiting violation. Uh, so they are not in this tournament. So really you got the top four teams, USC plus 185, Colorado plus 210, Oregon plus 265, and UCLA plus 500. Um, I'm taking USC. This is one tournament I'm taking the favorite here, plus 185. Now a big concern that I have is Colorado because USC is actually 0-2 um, against Colorado this season because they can kind of match up well with the big men because that's kind of where US, USC thrives. 11th in rebounding percentage in the country. They are 14th in opponent floor percentage, 12th in floor percentage. Uh, what's the uh, what's their center or their forward there that's going to be like a top three pick? Evan Mobley, I believe. Uh, he's just an absolute beast for them. Um, and I think he's going to be able to carry USC here in March. Uh, so keep an eye out for them. Uh, one thing they don't do, though, is they don't force turnovers. They're kind of very similar to Michigan in that they do everything very well except for forcing turnovers. Um yeah, I, I like USC. I don't really have too much to say about this tournament, to be completely honest. It's going to be USC or Colorado, in my opinion. Now, everyone likes to uh, bet Oregon. Oregon's kind of a sexy team. Um, and out of these teams, they do have the best effective field goal percentage. But they can get beat up down low, I think, especially by USC and Colorado. Um, you can kind of notice that when you look at rebounding. USC's 11th in the country. Colorado's 44th. Oregon's 112th. So not to say Oregon can't win this tournament, um, but they're going to have to shoot well. They're going to have to shoot well, and they're going to have to play good perimeter offense against USC and Colorado. Um, 
And I think, though, I think one thing that is concerning, yeah, so Oregon is the number one seed. They actually have a much easier path to the final, and that's probably why they they have value, I think, uh, because USC and Colorado, will uh, they're on the same side of the bracket, so they'll have to play in the semifinals. So even though I think USC and Colorado are the two best teams and so do odds makers, uh, they can't face in the final. They'll be facing in the semifinals. So if you're just looking at the bracket and looking at what teams are going to match up with each against each other, Oregon might have some value, plus 265, but I think they're going to lose to whoever comes over the other side of the bracket, USC and Colorado. Uh, but that is my take on the Pac-12 tournament. Let's go to the other 12. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, no surprise here. Baylor, minus 140 favorite. I think they're the only, uh, or the, yeah, they are, or, or the power conferences, they're they're the only team that's a minus money favorite. Kansas, plus 325 behind them. West Virginia, plus 650. Texas, plus 750. And Oklahoma State, plus 800. Texas Tech, plus 1,000. Oklahoma, plus 5,000. And I'm actually looking at all seven of those teams. I'm leaving out TCU, Iowa State, and Kansas State. You guys aren't winning, sorry. Now, as of recording this, Oklahoma State is still going to be competing in this tournament. I guess they appealed the process, and the appeal is going to take longer in the conference tournament. They're not going to have a decision before Wednesday. So with that being said, they're going to play. Because uh, if it's being appealed, then I guess you, you're not you're not being counted as guilty. So... I think they've strategically did that to delay it until after the conference tournament so they could compete in it. Uh, but that could change between now and tip-off on Wednesday. Uh, but I did add them into my power rankings here. Here's where I rank them. I rank them actually at the bottom. Oklahoma State and Texas tied at 19 points in the IMAC power rankings. Now, Oklahoma State has played very, very well recently, and they probably have the number number one overall pick. Cade Cunningham. I think it's Cade is his first name. Cunningham is his last name for sure. Um... But when you kind of look at their statistics, eh, now I don't know. I mean, 254th in effective possession ratio, 212th in opponent effective possession ratio. That's kind of where they really get hurt. Um, their offense and defense is good, not great, good. Um, but if you believe in momentum, if you're kind of that person that wants to bet on a team that's coming into a tournament hot, Oklahoma State, eight plus 800, sure. Uh, I won't be going with them, though. I'm going to trust my IMAC power rankings. Now we've got three teams all tied at 20 points. Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Kansas. Which is surprising considering Kansas is second on the odds list. But Kansas, listen to this, 195th in the country in effective possession ratio. They are having trouble with their shooting this year. Um, and they're just kind of good at everything. They're not, they're not great at anything. 106th in floor percentage, 36th in opponent floor percentage. So their defense is probably their strongest suit. Um... But I don't like them. I don't like them being the second on the odds list. And then I have Texas Tech second on the on the odds list. So if you want to take a shot um, at an underdog in the Big 12 tournament, I would recommend Texas Tech. I think they're a great 10 to 1. If you're looking for a big long shot, I love Texas Tech at 10 to 1. Um, they're very, very good defense. Their offense is kind of what's an issue. But any team can get hot. If they get hot offensively, they're going to be a, a tough out for anyone. Uh, 29th in opponent floor percentage. Um, so, I mean, they're good defensively. Uh, uh, ninth in the country in effective possession ratio. They don't turn the ball over. They don't allow offensive rebounds, or they get offensive rebounds, I should say. And 18th in opponent effective possession ratio. So in the two effective possession ratio stats, that's kind of where Texas Tech um, gets their points at. Uh, they get offensive rebounds. They don't allow offensive rebounds. They force turnovers. They they don't give up turnovers themselves. Um, 
but they can't shoot. And that's kind of the big issue that Texas Tech has had all year, 183rd in effective field goal percentage. But if you think Texas Tech can get hot, um, they're worth a shot at 10-1. to 1. Now, I'm taking the favorite. I think I think that it, there's only two tournaments I'm taking the favorite. Uh, it's the Pac-12 with USC, and then it's this one. I mean, Baylor minus 140. Uh, I think there's actually some value at minus 140, to be, to be completely honest. I mean, second in the country in floor percentage, 33rd in opponent floor percentage, 41st in rebounding, 10th in effective possession ratio, 20th in opponent effective possession ratio, and then effective field goal percentage, third in the entire country. Now, they haven't looked as dominant recently as they did at the start of the season uh, before they kind of ran into their COVID issues. But I still think they're they're easily heads and, heads and shoulders above the rest of the Big 12. Now, I do want to take a quick look at the bracket. I didn't do too deep of a dive on the brackets before I started recording here. But do I have the Big 12 one up? Yeah, here it is. Um, yeah, so... Um, Baylor is obviously the one seed. They'll take on the winner of TCU and Kansas State. They'll crush whatever team they face there. And then they take on West Virginia and Oklahoma State in the semifinals if they get through to that, which would be interesting. West Virginia against Baylor, both those teams are interesting matchups against Baylor. Uh, Kansas takes on the – I don't know if Kansas – if Oklahoma gets through to Kansas, Oklahoma might beat Kansas. And then Texas, Texas Tech, that's an interesting game because they got a two-point shooting team against a three-point shooting team. Uh, Texas or Texas Tech could could win. Uh, that'll be a tough game for Kansas. I don't know if Kansas makes it to the final. I think Baylor's actual toughest game might be the semifinals against the winner of West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So, uh, going to be a fun tournament to watch, but I am going to take the chalk in this one, minus 140. Uh, but don't worry, I think that's the last favorite I'm taking here. Um, so let's move on. What do we got next here? Uh, talk Big Ten. Let's go to the SEC. Uh, Alabama plus through third, kind of like Ohio state was kind of the flavor of the month there in like mid January. Uh, Alabama was in mid February, but now they've fallen off and I'm going to get into why, but they are the favorite right now. Plus two thirty, Arkansas plus two ninety, Tennessee plus four fifty, LSU and Kentucky and Florida all at seven to one. And then Missouri at nine to one. That's where I cut it off. So those seven teams are the teams I looked at here. Ole Miss, Mississippi state, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Texas A&M. None of those teams have a shot. I'm sorry, they don't. Uh, so let's stick to the top seven here. And let's uh, start with the bottom here. Missouri, last in my power rankings, 13 points. Um, they had a stretch there where they were playing well, but now they just don't really do anything great, and their defense is just atrocious. Uh, 227th in opponent floor percentage. Not going to be able to get it done. Um, Kentucky, um, but next on my power rankings, 17 points. Uh, out of these teams, they rank dead last in effective field goal field goal percentage and close to dead last in the country in this stat. 294th in the country in effective field goal percentage. You're not going to win a conference tournament shooting that poorly. Uh, now, they do rebound fairly well. They play decent defense, uh, but I'm not going to be taking a shot at Kentucky. Florida is kind of similar to Kentucky, but just slightly better. Um, 20 points in the power rankings. And next on my power rankings, big surprise, Alabama. The favorite is actually fourth on my SEC power rankings with 23 points. Now, here's my take about Alabama. Alabama, in my opinion, is, and I saw, I I didn't come up with this myself. I saw someone tweet, I think it was John Rothstein probably, because he, the college basketball goat. 
uh, tweeted it, I think, last week or on the weekend. And it hadn't occurred to me, uh, but he was right. And I hope it's John Rothstein. I hope it's not someone else. I'm not crediting them right. But Alabama is what Auburn was uh, two years ago. In 2019, when Auburn went to the Final Four, who'd they lose to in the Final Four? Was it Virginia or Texas Tech? Um, but they're a team, they shoot the three ball more. I mean, they're, I think, top 30, top 40 in three-point rate. And if they get hot from three, and they have gotten hot from three in games, if they, especially if they go up against a team that's not necessarily a good perimeter defense, Alabama can beat anyone in the country. But it comes down to the three. If they're not at their best shooting from three, they're going to lose games. So they're a hard team to bet on, hard team to bet against, because you have to try to figure out if they're going to be able to have a good team or a good game on the perimeter. Um, and that, that I mean, that's kind of why they're fourth in the power rankings here, because an effective possession ratio, they're 110th in the country. Or sorry, not effective possession ratio, effective field goal percentage. Effective possession ratio, they're 105th in the country. So not good at that either. Um, rebounding 119th, so not a great rebounding team. They are pretty good defensively, 47th in opponent floor percentage, uh, but floor percentage 186. Now that is a little bit, a uh, little bit misleading, ranking 186th in floor percentage because they do shoot the three a lot. So um, they might not have a high percentage of their possessions that result in at least one point. Uh, but a fair amount of the possessions would result in three points because they shoot the three ball so often. But then again, you look at effective field goal percentage, which takes into the account three-point shots, and they rank 110th. So, I, I mean, I don't think they deserve to be the favorite here. I don't think they're going to win this tournament. I think there's enough teams in the SEC that play good perimeter defense. I think they got hot there for a few weeks. They got hot from three. Everyone thought they were the sexy team to beat. Um, I don't think they're, they are all that they're cracked up to be. So in my power rankings, they're fourth. Uh, LSU just slightly above them, 25th. I don't completely hate LSU here in this spot. Uh, they do some things well. Um, but one thing that I found very interesting about LSU, they rank 323rd in opponent effective possession ratio. And why? It's not necessarily that they're, that they're not good at forcing turnovers because I think they're like 80-something 80 80-something 80 uh, in... Um, steals uh, per defensive play. What they don't do is they're not good at defensive rebounding. Now, if you look at their rebounding, they're 143rd in the country in in total rebounding, Um, but I'm actually going to bring it up here, what they are in defensive rebounding. So, I mean, they get a lot of offensive boards. They're aggressive on the offensive end and and boards, Um, but I got it right here. LSU ranks... 318th in defensive rebounding percentage. So I don't know why they're not good at, at grabbing defensive boards, and then I bet you they rank pretty high in offensive boards. 63rd in offensive board percentage. So they're just hungry to get that extra chance on the offensive end, but they can't rebound defensively, and I don't think you can win an SEC tournament not being able to rebound the ball in your own end, giving other teams second chance, uh, second scoring chance opportunities is not, not a not a not a recipe for victories. So I'm going to stay away from LSU uh, for that reason. Um, and then second on uh, second is Tennessee. I got Tennessee second in my power rankings here. Um, my issue with them and why I'm not betting on them is they can't shoot. 174th in effective field goal percentage. They're very good defensively. 12th in opponent floor percentage. 
uh, 22nd in the country and opponent effective possession ratio. So very good defensively. Um, but the, I mean, it's going to be like, I keep saying, it's going to be hard to win a conference tournament, 174th and effective field goal percentage. And the few times I've bet on them this year, I've lost because they've been so bad on their own end, which leads me to my pick to win the sec Arkansas. I am taking Arkansas plus 290. They do everything well. They don't really have any weak points. Uh, 25th in the country in floor percentage, 26th in opponent floor percentage, 58th in the country in rebounding, 33rd in the country in effective possession ratio, 87th in opponent effective possession ratio, and then 95th in effective field goal percentage. Uh, So they aren't top 10 in anything, but they're top 100 in everything, right? I don't think I... Yeah, they're top 100 in the country in all of those stats. And another reason why I like them is because they have a good perimeter defense, which if they end up matching up with Alabama, they can shut them down and beat them like they already have this season. Uh, I love Arkansas this year. I think Arkansas is one of the most underrated teams in the country right now. Um, and they're hot. They've covered the spread net at an insane rate. Um, so I'm just looking at the bracket right now. So they... Ooh, so they wouldn't face Alabama until the conference final. I would love to see a rematch of that Alabama-Arkansas game. That was a fantastic game to watch a couple weeks back. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. Um, they're going to take on the win of Georgia and Missouri. To be honest, that's a bit of a tough spot if it's Missouri. Missouri Missouri's had some hot games. Uh, but then I think I think they'll handle LSU if they get through to them. Uh, and then in the final, it's going to be interesting who they play against. So I, I love Arkansas. I lo- love Arkansas in this tournament. I'm going to love them in March Madness. They just have no weak points. They're good at everything. They're not fantastic at anything, but they are good at everything. So Arkansas to win the SEC plus 290. Let's go Razorbacks. Uh, let's head over to the Big East. Big East is interesting. A lot of teams uh, close to the top here that can win. So Creighton plus 175, UConn plus 190, Villanova plus 275, uh, Xavier plus 450, Seton Hall plus 750, and St. John's 18 to 1. Uh, Providence 30 to 1. I've won a few bets on Providence recently, so I was surprised to see them at 30 to 1. So I tossed them in here in my top seven uh, power rankings. But once I did the power rankings, I noticed. Why? Yeah, they deserve to be 30 to 1. They're not going to win. Uh, Butler, Marquette, Georgetown, and DePaul. You guys have no chance. I apologize. Uh, so, kind of like what I just alluded to in my power rankings here Providence is last with 13 points, um, 240th in effective possession or an effective field goal percentage, 308th in opponent effective possession ratio, 179th in rebounding, 220th in opponent floor percentage. I don't need to say any, anything else. They stink. Uh, Seton Hall, I talked about how Arkansas does everything good. Seton Hall does nothing good. They are the definition of an average team. Uh, starting with floor percentage, work my way down. Here are the rankings. 96th, 147th, 180th, 130th, 172nd, 145th. So quite literally, like, average in the country and everything. So not going to bet on them. St. John's is similar to that, but just slightly better. They're next on my power rankings. Then I got Xavier. Um... They're decent. 301st in opponent effective possession ratio, though. That's tough. Uh, They don't turn the ball over. That's good. They're average at rebounding 141st. Um, 84th in effective field goal percentage. Meh. Xavier's just meh. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I think it comes down to these three teams, and that's what the odds makers think, too. Creighton, Connecticut, 
and Villanova. I'll just tell you who I'm taking. I'm going to take Villanova, and I love the value on them right now because they stumbled here a little bit at the end. So out of the three teams, they have the best value odds, plus 275. And in my power rankings, they have 36 points. UConn is 30, and Creighton is 27. Now, the issue that Villanova runs into and where they kind of have been exposed recently and where they could run into issues in this tournament is they don't have a good interior defense. So if teams really pound the ball down low against them, they can run into trouble like a Providence, even though Providence generally isn't very good. I mean, Providence just beat them, right? Uh, But if you look at the uh, bracket to take DePaul on first, which DePaul does kind of keep it down low, so that's a little questionable. Uh, But then they'll take on probably UConn in the semifinals, and I think they match up well with UConn. And then... They don't. They definitely don't have to face Providence. They don't have to face Marquette, which would be a a matchup issue. Um, I think I don't think they match up as well with Creighton. I, I. Yeah, I think DePaul is somehow actually might be their toughest matchup stylistically. I think everyone else uh, that they're going to face, I think they match up pretty well against. Uh, let's go through some uh, statistics here. Effective field goal percentage. Creighton is first ninth in the country, but then Villanova's not too far behind, 57th. Um, Villanova's either out of these seven teams, Villanova's first and second out of the seven teams in every single category. So they're first out of these teams in floor percentage, 29th in the country, 86th in the country in opponent floor percentage, 108th in rebounding, 19th in effective possession ratio. They don't turn the ball over at all. I'm going to bring up that specific stat. I think they might actually be first in the country in fewest turnovers per possession, which can be huge in a conference tournament. Uh, No, Wisconsin's actually first, Iowa second, and then, yeah, Villanova third. So they don't turn the ball over, which is going to be huge, I think. Um, And they're a three-point shooting team. If they can get hot from three, they can beat anyone in the country. They can certainly beat everyone in the Big East, so... Um, I think it is going to be Creighton, UConn, Villanova. Not exactly a hot take there, but I wouldn't bet on any other team in the Big East. If you're going to take a shot at one of those three teams, it's it's hard to argue against them. But if, if it's going to be one of those three teams, why not take the team with the best value? Also, Villanova, of course, has a winning experience. Uh, um, obviously, he's not the same players, but their coach just won a national championship a few weeks or a few years back. Um. UConn is the best rebounding team, and that's kind of where I think they have their big advantage, but UConn's not as good defensively, 114th in opponent floor percentage. Uh, Villanova, I just think, is the best well-rounded team, and if they can just sharpen up their interior defense a little bit, uh, they can go far in the tournament. If they just play, if they get, like, some weird seed in March Madness and they just, like, keep playing teams that are more, like, perimeter offenses, uh, they can go far. If they get a shitty seed in the March Madness and they have to play against a couple of teams that pound it down low, they're going to run into some trouble. Keep that in the back of your mind when you look at who they're going to be seeded up with in the first round of March Madness. Potential upset. If they take on like a mid-major champion winner, someone who's good at shooting the ball down low, like a, this just came to my mind, like a UC Irvine, go Anteaters, Zot Zot. Potential upset. That's... Villanova's chink in their armor is, is their is their is their interior defense. Uh, but let's finish off here with the <laughs> with the Mountain West. Whoo! This podcast is already over an hour long. I could I mean I could talk college basketball nonstop. 
I, I could talk about it for hours. I'm, I've tried to cut this as short as possible, and I'm still just ranting and raving. Um, I'm just making sure I've gone through every other tournament. Yes, I have. All right. We'll finish off with the Mountain West. Not a power conference, but I enjoy them quite a bit. And um, fun conference to watch. going to be a fun conference tournament. Now, this is the conference that I have narrowed it down to the fewest amount of teams. I just have top five. San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State, Colorado State, and Nevada. Uh, I, that's where I made the cutoff. UNLV, Wyoming, Fresno State, New Mexico, San Jose State, and Air Force. You guys don't have a chance. Um, and once I did the handicapping, Nevada doesn't have a chance either to be at 18-1. to 1. So it's going to be SDSU, Utah State, Boise State, Colorado State. Uh, yeah, Nevada got eight points in my power rankings, either last or second last uh, among these five teams in every category. They stink. Uh, Colorado State who I think a lot of people like. They're actually next to my power rankings, and they are, well, they're, they're fourth in the odds list. I think they're tied with Boise State, actually. They're both at 4-1. to one. Uh, But Colorado State, eighth in effective possession ratio. They're very good at scoring, but they're not really good at anything else, uh, at least compared to the other teams. I mean, 83rd in the country in rebounding, um, which is second last among these five teams. Uh, they're fine. They're fine defensively. They're decent defensively. Uh, their effective possession ratio, though, three hundred and sixteenth in the country in effective possession ratio. Um, so is that turnovers or is that uh, a lack of offensive rebounds? Let me just look into that here really quick. Colorado State turnovers two hundred sixty ninth in in um, turnovers per possession. That's enough for me to see not going to be taking Colorado State, and they kind of, I I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I have a bias that Colorado, those Colorado teams have an advantage with that high altitude at home, um, and they're not going to do as good at a neutral site. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Not betting on them, though. Boise State's next. Um, Boise State's fine. They're, they're, They're pretty good at everything, but they don't really do anything really well. 65th in rebounding percentage, 41st in opponent floor percentage, 41st in floor percentage as well. Uh, 79th in effective possession ratio, 88th in effective field goal percentage. Nah, it's just they don't do anything that that kind of pops off the paper for me. I think this comes down to San Diego State and Utah State. I'm going to take Utah State. i got Utah State at the top of my power rankings here at... Uh, Actually, no, I don't. I lied. Uh, but I'm going against my power rankings. I have San Diego State with 24 points and Utah State with 23 points, so right next to each other. But San Diego State's even money. I'm going to take the team that's plus 240. So Utah State is the complete opposite of Colorado State in that they do everything well except for shooting. 146th in effective field goal uh, uh, percentage. Um, so similar to Texas Tech, like I was talking about earlier in the, in, in the Big 12. If they get hot offensively, it's going to be hard to beat them because Utah State ranks first in the entire country in rebounding percentage, second in the entire country in opponent floor percentage. So a very good rebounding team, a very good defensive team, 41st in effective possession ratio, 15th in opponent effective possession ratio. So they force turnovers. uh, They don't allow offensive rebounds, but it's just that effective field goal percentage that is causing them to lose games. They're just not very good at shooting the ball. 146th in effective possession ratio. But if they get hot, they're so good at everything else, they can win this tournament and they can make a run in the March Madness tournament. Now, if you want to take the chalk here at San Diego State, um, 
probably a good bet. I'm just taking a little bit more value on Utah State at plus 240, but San Diego State is a more complete team. Um, I mentioned uh, Utah State is second in the country in, in opponent floor percentage, while San Diego State's right behind them, third in the country. So very good defense, 38th in the country in rebounding. Um, and then, But then the big difference is you look at effective field goal percentage, and they're 60th compared to Utah State at 146. So uh, you, San Diego State's not quite as good rebounding, just as good defensively, and they can shoot the ball. Uh, a little bit better or significantly better than Utah State. So I think San Diego, San Diego State's deserving of being the favorite, uh, but I'm going to take Utah State there. A little bit more value um, at plus 240. So there you guys have it. Are you fucking sick of listening to my voice yet or what? So I'll recap uh, my my conference tournament picks here. I'm just going to start from this top of my page, which is Pac-12. So Pac-12, I got USC. Uh... Big 12, I got Baylor minus 140, so two favorites in those two. Um, And then I got UNC plus 550 in the ACC. I have Illinois plus 333 in the Big 10. I got Arkansas plus 290 in the SEC. Big East, I got Villanova plus 275. And then Mountain West, I got Utah State plus... 240. I parlayed them and put literally two bucks, or as we call it in Canada, a toonie on it, and uh, I'll have like 7,800 bucks if uh, all those come through. Uh, actually, I did, uh, to be fair, I left off Baylor, because I was like, that would be classic for me to hit every single one except for the chalk favorite that I took. Uh, so I left off Baylor on that, but other than that, I bet all these individually, of course. Uh, the iMac power rankings, let's see how they work out. Uh, But that's all I got for you for this week. Best of luck with your conference tournament picks. I will, of course, do game-by-game picks as well. Keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. Um, It is now past 2 a.m. my time. I need to upload this and then go to bed because i got to wake up and then work again tomorrow. Best of luck with your picks. Players' Championship, conference tournaments. Next week, I think I'm going to have two shows. I think I'm going to release one either on Monday or Tuesday with my bracket uh, breakdown and, and my thoughts about the bracket. Uh, and then probably Thursday, I'll break down my picks for uh, the first round. Um, I'm going to do some Twitch streams as well, especially on the weekend, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, but that's all I got. Subscribe, rate, review, donate if you like it. Uh, I love you all, and I will talk to you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.